Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about how to establish a good relationship with your advisor or your faculty mentor. This was a topic suggested to me via Instagram um, when I asked, when was it? It must have been sometime in December for some ideas um, for my January episode. So um, thank you to the individual who suggested this topic, and I'm just going to go straight to it. I... I'm going to get started by telling you a little bit about my experience working with faculty mentors and advisors. And I'll just say this. I feel like my experience, I experienced two, the two ends of the pendulum, two extremes in terms of mentorship and advising. Uh, my, my first relationship with a faculty mentor was an undergrad when I was uh, part of the Mellon Mays Undergraduate Research Fellowship. And I, I remember I was admitted to the program. I still hadn't fully secured a mentor, and I had to reach out to different professors. I was really self-conscious. I was new to research. Um, but I emailed a bunch of people who seemed relevant, who had similar interests as me, and some people got back to me. They were too busy. Other people never responded back to my email. And um, one professor, you know, was interested and said that she was open to meeting with me over office hours. I had never met her before. She was um, a relatively new professor at the time, an assistant professor. And she was doing research that was not the exact match. I was trying to do research on Chicano theater, Chicanx theater, and um, this person was more of a specialist in literature, Chicanx literature. But I decided, well, I need a mentor, so let me give this a shot. I met with her and um, provided her with some materials so that she could get to know me more. I think I must have sent her a CV, maybe an abstract or proposal. I'm not quite sure. But nonetheless, the meeting went very well, and she ended up becoming my faculty mentor. And I ended up working with her for two years, for my junior and senior year in undergrad. And it was a really incredible, positive relationship. I consider myself really lucky because I didn't have the nightmare scenarios that I had heard of from my peers. My faculty mentor was really attentive, really good at communicating with me, met with me regularly. She'd meet with me sometimes weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, and we'd decide depending on what I was working on. She gave me a lot of feedback, but on top of giving me a lot of feedback, she was she also gave me a lot of compliments. And that's something I wasn't used to. So she'd remind me, you know, what a great student I was, that I was making really good progress. And I remember when I got to the point of working on finalizing my senior thesis, I just didn't feel like it was done. I didn't feel like it was good enough. 
And at one point, she sat me down and told me, you know what, Yvette, you're done. This is it. It's it's ready. You're, you're, your thesis is complete. And it just, it felt so nice to have someone validate the work that I had done and believe in me so much and, you know, constantly uplift me when I was feeling down or when I was feeling like I wasn't good enough, like I wasn't going to get into graduate school. And it's really funny because we had very similar working styles. We're both very organized, both very prompt. And it wasn't until years later while I was in grad school, because we continued to stay in touch, that I found out that we actually share the same birthday and we're both Virgos. And so a lot of things made sense after the fact. I didn't know this when I worked with her as an undergrad. And to this day, I admire her. She's now a full professor doing incredible things. I very much look up to her. I still stay in touch. So that was very positive, very positive experience. I can't say enough positive things about my relationship with her, about her as an individual, about what, you know, the great mentoring style, good fit for me, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, now let's <laughs> transition to the opposite end of the pendulum. I started grad school and I, um, I knew who I was going to be working with because this was the person who was a specialist. I had done research in what I wanted to do research in, which is um, Chicana Latina performance. Uh, And this person happened to be the chair of the department, very, very well known in her discipline. And um, I remember the first time I met her, it was in a graduate seminar, and we were all so intimidated. This was someone who didn't really give compliments. This was someone who would scoff at at any little thing you would say. She had this tendency of like, as soon as you would try to say something, she would just go, hmm, or flat out say no, and not let you finish your sentence and move on to someone else. Just cut you off and say no in the middle of you trying to say something, trying to contribute in discussion. And I remember, I mean, I had heard all kinds of not so great, not so positive things. This was after the fact. This was after I applied, after um, I was set to work with her. So had I known these things before applying or while applying, I don't think I would have worked with this individual. Um, But yeah, I had heard that like she had, she was infamous for making people cry in office hours And you know what? I thought to myself, it's okay. I'm I'm the type of person that, like, I'm very organized. I like to communicate clearly. I like to set goals. I, at that point, like, I don't think I had ever missed a deadline in my life. I, you know, was used to being an A student. So I thought, okay, if I just do what I've been doing all along, I'll, you know, maybe we, we might not click as well as with my undergrad mentor but at least I'll make good progress and I'll complete my PhD in it and it'll be fine well no it wasn't fine this person was not supportive of you know when I got pregnant this person um treated me differently than she treated other students and I would find out because I would reach out to other people in my cohort who were working with her and and ask, you know, because some of them had advanced earlier than me, like they had done their exams earlier than me, they had written certain chapters earlier than me. 
Um, they were about a year ahead. And so when I would ask them what to expect and try to then communicate and follow, you know, do the follow the same steps, I was treated differently. And I was treated like I wasn't doing enough good work. And I just I didn't feel valued. I didn't feel respected. Uh, and I was afraid of this person being spiteful towards me. I didn't even I didn't even feel comfortable asking this person to write me recommendation letters because I didn't know what she was going to write about me. I, I didn't feel confident that she would write me a strong letter. And this is as someone who I try to keep my shit together. I try to be organized. I try to do my best. I'm not perfect, but I, I, I tried really hard to be a good graduate student. And it ended, it ended with uh, I was in my third or fourth year of graduate school. She dropped me as her student. And I never received an explanation for why she dropped me. She just one day sent an email CCing someone else saying, here, I'm passing her on to you. You can be her advisor. I no longer want to work with her. That was, um, that was a really difficult thing to swallow. But it was actually a blessing in disguise because the person that she passed me on to happened to be a new hire in the department he was actually very similar to my previous mentor in terms of being very organized and being um, willing to meet with me as often as I needed to gave me a lot of feedback didn't give me as many compliments as my first mentor but he was as supportive as he could be uh, given where he was in his in his career and it worked out fine. I mean, he was someone I, I trusted and he was very supportive of, you know, all of the decisions that I made throughout graduate, my, my time in graduate school. But I learned a really tough lesson um, working with my undergrad faculty mentor and then my first PhD advisor. And then I, I ended up working with other people, you know, through my dissertation committee and just developing kind of... Uh, informal relationships with other people in academia and so I've seen a wide range of different mentoring styles and it's been really great and in fact now that I work for the McNair program it's really interesting because I have had a supervisor who is a um, faculty member this whole time so and I just started a new transition where we got a new faculty director so my previous faculty director supervisor retired and now we've got a new one and it's been really interesting to get to know both of them and their differences and again I'm, I'm, I continue to learn about differences in mentoring styles advising styles and even supervising styles but anyway so I am digressing let me get back to the topic which is how do you develop a good relationship with your advisor? Well, lesson number one, just from hearing my little story, my, um, hearing about my experience is first you have to make sure you are finding a good advisor. So instead of trying to develop a good relationship with someone who you have no idea what their mentoring style is like, what their personality is like, what their research experience is like, you want to do that homework up front. And how do you do that? You, uh, before making a commitment to work with them, meet with them, 
ask them. You, it's okay for you to interview them. It's, just, it's okay to ask them, what is your mentoring style like? Or what's your appro- approach to mentorship? What is your teaching philosophy? Because a lot of times, you know, it's also important to see how they teach because ultimately they're going to be teaching you in some way, shape, or form. What are their communication preferences? You know, do they really like meeting often, meeting in person, or are they more hands-off? Um, or do they only prefer, you know, email or they're terrible emails? <laughs> you want to find out these things ahead of time. You want to find out where are they in their career? Are they early career, mid-career? Are they really well-established? Um, how available are they? Sometimes people in, early in their career are very available, very supportive. Sometimes they're not very available because they're working really hard to try to secure tenure. Um, so find out both where, where they are in their career and how available they are to working with students. And then if you can, find out who have they worked with or who are they currently working with and find out what those students have to say about them. Um, this is actually something that I recently did just with finding out. I was like, oh, I'm going to get a new supervisor. I'm kind of curious what this person's going to be like. And it ended up being like, there were two different people who could potentially become my, my new supervisor. So I asked around folks who knew them and I got really interesting responses. And the person who did end up becoming my um, supervisor, I heard really good things about her and that was really reassuring. And now that I'm getting to know her more, I'm realizing that all of those things they said were, were, were true and and um, very happy with my new with my new supervisor. But point is, find out what do other students have to say about them, and find out this is something that's really really important. Aside from whether this person is a good match for you academically and with regard to your research interests, you should also try to find out is this person kind. If I had asked myself that question or if I had asked that question about my first PhD advisor, is this person kind? The answer would have been no, and I wouldn't have worked with them. I really wouldn't have. So first, make sure that you do your homework on who this person is if, you have, if you're still in the process of trying to find an advisor. If you're stuck with someone, <laughs> well, actually, let me reframe that. Um, if you're currently working with someone, you're not, don't feel like you're stuck. There's always an opportunity for you to switch mentors. So keep that in mind. But let's say you've got someone as your advisor, as your faculty mentor. And so far, you know, so far, so good. Um, but maybe you're still trying to get to know them. You're still trying to figure out how this is going to work. What do I recommend at that point or at that stage? I, I'm a big fan of setting um, introductory meetings or scheduling an introductory meeting. This is like if you just recently uh, secured a faculty mentor, uh, it's good to schedule a time to meet to talk about expectations. What are their expectations of you? What are your expectations of them? How often do you plan on meeting? This is when, you again, you can ask them about their mentoring styles uh, you want to ask about goals and specific, measurable goals, like with ta- t- 
tasks that you can complete and deadlines for each task. Um, and then can just maintain clear communication throughout. You're going to hear this over and over and over again. Communication is key when you're developing a strong relationship with an advisor. In some cases, yeah, yeah, you could be over-communicating, but I'd rather have someone over-communicate than under-communicate. And that's true with the students that I advise with McNair. Um, I've got some students who have a tendency of when they get really stressed out, they go missing. They, they stop responding to emails. They stop showing up to seminars. And that is incredibly frustrating. But I also, I mean, I can empathize with that, with that feeling of overwhelm and shame and not wanting, not feeling comfortable kind of owning up to it at that point in time. So I, I can see where they're coming from, but it's also really hard to deal with that as opposed to students who over, who maybe over communicate <laughs> uh, because we've got, I've got students who are, you know, all, all types of personalities, all types of working styles. So we've got those that, you know, go missing and freak out and under communicate. We've got those that freak out and over communicate. And for any little thing, they're emailing me every few minutes with lots of questions. And it's okay. I mean, that's what I'm here for. That's what your mentor is there for to help you. Um, but ideally, you want to find um, a good spot in that middle point where you're not over communicating you're not over communicating, you're not under communicating, uh, you're willing to ask for help, you're willing to let them know when you're stuck, when you've hit some sort of roadblock or hurdle. Um, but also you've considered figuring things out on your own. So like before reaching out to your mentor, is there someone else that you could go to to get help? Is there a way for you to solve this problem? beforehand do you have some suggestions for or some ideas for solving your problem and then you can maybe share those ideas with your mentor and then and then again you get your input that's one thing that I've learned I, I think just within my career as someone who has um, both mentored people but also been a mentee and who has um, supervised people and have had supervisors <laughs> is People will actually really appreciate it if you try to solve a problem first or if you try to come up with some options or some solutions before you even go to them for advice or for their input for, or for their help. So if you can do that, um, the more you can learn to do things on your own and then um, figure out when, when do you actually need to ask for help. So um, don't try to do things so independently that then you don't reach out for help at all. And then again, you just go missing and under communicate. Um, the other thing about reaching out for help, there was another thing I wanted to mention. Now I'm blanking out. Um, so I said, see if you can solve the problem on your own. If not, go to your mentor, learn to, learn to ask for help and ask it, ask for help from others. Oh, now I'm remembering. So one other thing I wanted to mention that's really important, and it's something that I learned in graduate school, because you know how I said earlier that in undergrad, I, I didn't really miss deadlines? Well, 
that changed in grad school because in grad school you're there for four, five, six, seven, eight years and you're setting your own deadlines and a lot of times these deadlines are not hard deadlines. It's not like you have to submit an application otherwise the portal will shut down at a certain time. Uh, so it's a lot easier to miss deadlines. So I did, I did for the first time start to miss deadlines in graduate school. But you know what? I learned to own up to it. And so I want to just remind you this or tell you this if you haven't heard it before. Own up to your mistakes. If you set a timeline and set some goals with your mentor and you're struggling and you feel like, it it might not happen this quarter, it might not happen this semester, it might not happen this year. Schedule a time to meet with them to figure out, you know, something else. To f- how do you how can you modify your timeline? How can you um refine your goals to make them more achievable, more realistic? Um it's okay to do that. And if you miss a deadline, instead of just hoping that <laughs> that they don't remember and waiting for time to go by and seeing what happens just own up to it the deadline if the deadline's coming up and you know you're not going to make it let them know in advance or if you try to make it and you still just can't quite get it done the day of the deadline say hi dr so-and-so hi professor so-and-so i know that we had agreed for me to submit the first draft of my senior thesis by this date um, thus far, I've worked on this and this and this, and I have this much, but I'm not done. Just let them know, obviously, what progress you've made. However, I think that, you know, la da 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 you know, come up with some other plan. I could likely get it done by this date. Does that work for you? Um, or if you have other thoughts in mind, you know, I'm, I'm open to suggestions. So just communicating with them let them know that you're owning up to it that it is your work and that you're trying to figure out a way to to get it done even within um within some of the setbacks that come up because life happens so sometimes sometimes you may miss a deadline or you may have to change a deadline and then one other thing I want to say actually about advisors and faculty mentors is and I mentioned this earlier, it's okay to switch. It's okay to change mentors. It can feel really awkward because maybe you've been working for someone for a few weeks and right away you realize, oh, this is not going to work out. Or maybe you've been working with them for a quarter or semester and again, you're realizing Ooh, I don't know that I still want to work with this person. Sometimes it's just their style. Sometimes it's flat out their personality. Sometimes it's your interests are switching or they're changing and this person's work is no longer quite in line with what you want to do. And um, Or maybe you've already dedicated a year, two years or more to this person. You feel like, oh, if I've invested so much time and energy, they've invested so much time and energy how can I make that switch? But you can, no matter what stage you're at, you can always make the switch. And how do you do that? My advice is always keep it as professional and as diplomatic as possible. Even if it is a personality thing, even if it is a a mentoring style thing, 
they don't need to know that. Um, you can, you can always try to find someone who is a better fit and let them know that you found someone who is a better fit for you. And you don't have to say a better fit in what way. You can say, you know, I found someone who's a better fit for me. Or if you do and you feel comfortable, you can say, oh, I found someone who's, whose research interests are more closely aligned with what I want to do now. Um, but always just don't make it personal. Keep it professional. Keep it diplomatic. Make it about fit. Make it about the research. And they will understand. For the most part, they will understand. And if they don't, and if they're not supportive, then maybe it's just further validation for why you're making that switch. Um, I'm not a fan of burning bridges. I don't recommend it. Um, but I, but then again, you know, I I don't know if I did anything wrong as a grad student, but I had someone who dropped me, you know? And in that sense... I don't know that I actively burned a bridge. I think that she burned the bridge. <laughs> she did it. And I had to deal with the ramifications of that. But um, but I was in a much better spot having worked with someone else. And I'm actually relieved. Again, can't say enough. It was a blessing in disguise for me. And that may be true for you. No, you don't want to wait for someone to drop you. Don't do that. Um, but if you feel like this is not quite working out, then go ahead and try to actively search for someone else. This is a very important relationship. If you think about it, you if you're an undergrad working with a faculty mentor, this person, you may work with them for one, two, maybe three years. Because I know some students who start doing research their sophomore year. If you're a transfer, you start maybe you start doing research right away your first or second semester. So it could be yeah, one, two, three years that you're working with this person. And then in grad school, like I said, if it's a PhD program, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, that's that's a serious relationship. Yes, it's a professional relationship, but it's still a long-term relationship and it's going to affect your life. So take it seriously. Um, do the work that you have to do to develop a strong relationship do the work that you have to do to switch mentors if necessary. And, um, and then you'll reap the benefits because then hopefully this person will continue to be in touch with you long term. They'll know your growth. They'll always be there to root you on. In fact, my undergrad faculty mentor was the person who sent me the job ad or one of several, but she, was, she did send me the job ad for the UCSB McNair position and uh, strongly encouraged me to apply. She told me that I was perfect for it. That's, that was her language. You're perfect for this. And I think it, you know, part of it was her encouragement. And look where I am now. I'm still very much <laughs> with McNair. I'm very happy in my job. So I thank her a lot. Don't take this um, lightly. This person um, can influence your life in a big way. So do the work and hopefully you can develop a strong relationship with one or more advisor. That's all I have to say for today. And if you have any other episode suggestions, send me an email, DM me on Instagram, and I'll consider it for the next recording. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. 
If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Femtouring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram, sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time.